if somebody, all, all of a sudden, that guy moves his foot, at least he tries to move his foot out of the way so it doesn't get stomped. But you see some pretty brutal fighting when it's real fighting. But I told my wife, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you what. I don't care how bad I was getting beat. If somebody starts purposely stomping on my foot, I'm coming out. That's a, a game changer. And I said that to say this. If he steps on your foot, it's to spur you into action. And when you know who you are in Christ, and you know the authority that you have, and you know the strength that you can have, and not just the strength that you have with the power of the Holy Spirit, strength comes upon you. Look, look at Samson. I'll just say this. People think Samson is this big, huge buff guy and, and all the biblical cartoonists, you know, that, that they write these stories out for our children. And whoever uh, does the illustration, they make Samson like this big guy. No wonder he beat everybody. He's the baddest one around. I don't believe that was Samson. I believe Samson was probably average or less. Because the Bible said... Uh, Everybody that saw his strength, they were amazed by it. And here's the, here's the giveaway. They said, where do you get your strength from? That's what they were trying to figure out. Where do you get your strength from? Now, if a guy's that, that, that big, I wouldn't ask him where your strength from, came from. I'd be like, oh, I know where his strength comes from. But to ask him, where does your strength come from? The Holy Spirit would come upon him. And he would move mightily. If you're going to listen to God being perfect and you being imperfect, there's things that he will share with you, but they're greater than you and they're correct. And you've got to be able to handle criticism. Because out of that, he's got to tell you the things that you haven't been doing. And the reason that you're not spurred into action is because you've been comfortable doing what you've always done. I, I, I took five minutes to lay that down. So I don't think you're going to be as offended as you think it's going to be. It's not just pastor hadn't got to preach in a while and he just ripped our heads off. Now, we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That should move something inside of us. Hang on with me, okay? So before I, I go to that, let me go to this. Luke chapter 21 and 25. I'm preaching on, believe it or not, anxiety today. Being anxious. Having fear in your life having trouble, having perplexity. You know what perplexities mean? Perplexity means this. It means that there's a problem and I can't find a solution to it. That's frustrating. And there's scripture for this. Not as uh, is there only just um, scripture for this. There, there's scripture that's relevant to today because the disciples were asking, this is Luke, um, Luke 21. The disciples were asking Jesus, um, when will you come back? We, we thought you were going to set up your kingdom here and didn't do that. When, when are you going to, uh, you know, when are you going to come back? If you're going to die, when, when are you going to come back? What's it going to look like? That's what they were wanting to know. You can look at 
the whole chapter of 21. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I, would, I would read it on an empty stomach. I wouldn't read it on a full stomach because there's some tough stuff in there. I know the amens are going to diminish for a while, but it'll get better. Just hang with me. Chapter 21, I'm going to skip down to verse 25, and I'm going to read to 28. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, this is what it's going to look like in the last days, in the end days. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity. With perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Verse 26. Men's hearts failing them from fear. And the expectation of those things. Remember I told you perplexity is when there's a problem and you can't find a solution to it. So the, the, the fear... It's bringing with it the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 27. Then. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now. When these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. So there's so much to pull out of that right there. It's saying some bad things are coming, but when you start to see them, other men's hearts will start to fail. Other men will be full of perplexity because they can't find a solution but when you see it begin to happen, your head goes up. Your head goes up because your redemption's getting close. He's, he's talking about, I, I'm, this is what it looks like when I'm going to come back and get you. It's going to look like this. But you look up. You remember when he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I, I love, I go pre to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And he said this, if it were not so, I would have told you. Now he's given you signs of what the end is going to look like. Well, it kind of makes me think of where we're at right now. Whole world is full of fear. The whole world is full of perplexity. Okay, will y'all excuse me one second? I left my little phone back here because I got a definition on it. I took a picture of it. I need to give it to you. You don't get this at any other church. I'm just going to tell you. All right. See how bad I am, Gianni. It takes me forever to get this. But I'm there. Okay. Perplexity. This scripture, this verse right here, at a loss for a way, a way or a resource of the distress of nations, finding no solution 
to their embarrassments. God said this thing will get embarrassing. It'll get embarrassing. I think we're there. Finding no solution to their embarrassments. In the sense of being at one's wit's end. At a loss how to proceed. Without resources. God's going to let it get to that point. And his eye's going to be on you too. And for you, you have an instruction. Immediately look up. When you see these things begin to happen. Okay? I got your attention this morning. This is what the atmosphere will be. Fear, anxieties, perplexity, more problems than solution. It, it doesn't say that there's not a solution. Oh, there's, but rest assured, there's a solution. The problem is people are looking everywhere for a solution except up. That's why CEOs bring in not just a million dollars, millions of Dollars because they can propose a solution that the company says nobody else has thought of that. Let's give that a whirl. Do you understand where 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 the where the world puts its money gives you a picture of where their heart's at? I need a solution. I'll pay you $18, $20 an hour to work in my factory, but I'll pay this one guy. Untold millions of dollars because it sounds like he might have the solution that we need. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Beginning with verse 4. So he said to look up. Philippians chapter 4, this, this passage marries right up into this. Rejoice in the Lord always. When? When is rejoicing proper then? Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. To God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You understand that Christ Jesus Christ is not his last name. Sometimes it's Jesus Christ. Sometimes it says Christ Jesus. In this reference, Christ Jesus, it means the anointed Jesus, the anointed one. Christ means anointing, the anointing, the anointed one. Through the anointed Savior, 
Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, the last two scriptures, he gives you places to re redirect your mind that will reset your mind. And I'm not going to preach those last two scriptures, but I just wanted you to know if you want to do continued reading and some continued study into this message this morning, that's the place to go. And if you don't know what to think of, he gives you things. He gives you a place to go so that your mind doesn't go to those other places. Now, let's talk about those other places. Back to verse 4. Rejoice. It's uh, Romans 14 and 17. I didn't give you the scripture. I don't think. Maybe I did. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you're in the kingdom of God, you have His joy inside of you. It, it, it is there. And you may not feel it all the time, but it's there. And He says this, to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So according to that, when you get through rejoicing, guess what? Time to rejoice again. And you just finished it for the third time and the 14th time and the 18th time. And guess what? It's time to rejoice again. Rejoice when you wake up. Rejoice when you go to bed. Rejoice all day long according to the scripture. Right? But we've been taught that happiness is the thing. Happiness is not the thing. Why? Because happiness is not the thing because happiness can come and go. Why? Because happiness is from an external, external thing. I get happiness. I'm not saying that happiness is wrong, but it's from an external thing. This morning during praise and worship, my grandson runs up to my knees, and, and I happen to open up my eyes just in time to see him there. I pick him straight up. That made me happy. I was already joyful, but that made me happy. What made me sad was when I had to give him back to his mom. So happiness comes to go, comes and goes, but it's not uh, 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 based on the internal. It's based on the external. The difference is joy is based on the internal. Joy is something that's inside of you. Joy is something that you can have all the time because it's not external. It's internal. It's a constant thing. It's supposed to be a constant thing, and it's not based on what's going on around you. If he says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, it cannot, joy cannot be based on what's going on around you. It cannot. I'm just, I'm just saying that's what it says. So everything can be falling around, falling apart around me, but I can still have joy. Right? I can still have joy. Nehemiah said this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a key in there. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why the enemy will always attack you at your joy. See, we think the enemy tries to attack us where we're strong. The scripture says this, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. Here's the thing, the enemy can't attack his strength, so he has to attack your weakness. And your weakness is when you don't go to him for his strength. 
out of my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So I, I gravitate towards his strength. So what does the enemy try to do? He tries to draw a line that blocks me from getting to the joy that is his strength by attacking my joy. You see that? I'll move on. Y'all are still staring at me wondering whenever the, the big boom's coming. Let your gentleness, verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. This, this is, when it says the Lord is at hand, it's not just talking about him being close to us. It's actually, if you read the interpretation of what that, through the commentaries, it'll help you understand. It's talking about his coming is at hand. Let your gentleness, which means forbearance, reasonableness, being equitable, being fair, being mild, being gentle. It says, let that be evident to all. Because the Lord's getting ready to come back. Which tells me he's looking for people that have become the new person in him. Not still being the old person that they used to be. He is wanting us to grow up in Him. Are y'all still here with me this morning? Because I see y'all's bodies. Who wouldn't want to be having that guy on their team? That gal. Who wouldn't want to be friends with that type of person? The Bible says that we're not just supposed to be saved. It says in 2 Peter that we're supposed to add things to our faith. It says seven things that we add. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Because the Lord is at hand. His coming is near. And this is an admonishing from Him. This is what He is looking for in you. You're His example. You understand that? Okay. So be anxious for no thing. Be anxious for no thing. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Be anxious for nothing. Do the things that he said, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. You know why it says that he'll guard your heart and mind? You know why it says that? Because anxiety is not no located in your shoulders or in your kneecaps. What he's saying with that, God goes to the place of concern. He goes to the place that this fear and the anxiety is, is working. And it's working against your human mind. And it's working against your human heart. That's where he goes, okay? In your heart, anxiety is rooted in fear. Anxiety is rooted in fear. When you allow your mind, now listen to this. To work out or walk out worst case scenarios that have not even happened yet. Is that true for anybody? Has anybody in this room ever had anxieties? You allow, this is how they happen. You allow your mind 
to walk out into areas that have not even happened yet. And you run scenarios as if those things have already happened. And you're sitting there tormented and fearful. You're spending energy, giving strength. Isn't that something? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the enemy, and, and he says, don't have anxieties. And the enemy draws your strength. And you start using the strength that you should have. As Instead of doing the immediate thing going to him, you do the immediately and go to the scenario. And your mind starts working. Why? Because you're human. Look at your neighbor and say, you're human. Your, your mind is a human mindset. That's why your human mind has to be renewed. Amen? Is that scripture? Right? So you're spending and wasting energy to what does not even exist. Giving time and thought to what does not exist and may never even happen. Has anybody ever had anxieties? Yes. Yes. So you're not alone. That's why, that's why I've asked it twice now. Has, has anybody ever had anxieties? Just look at me right now. My share and some. Okay? Just want you to know. 1 John 4.18 says this. Fear hath torment. Anxiety is fierce torment. You are not dealing with the situation. You're just afraid that you might have to. Proverbs 4.23 says your heart has to be tended to. It says guard your heart for out of your heart flow the issues of life. Another translation says, says this. It says, for out of your heart springs the issues of life. You know what a spring is? If you, if you ever find a spring out in the woods, it's a natural place where water is naturally coming forth. It's happy. It's the nature of the spring to come out. It's the nature of your heart for things to flow out of it. When you understand the nature of a thing, you will not be surprised by its action. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. It does not say anything about the devil if you've got issues in this scripture it doesn't say anything about the devil it says out of my heart flow the issues of my life but just, just think about that I'm not saying that the devil's not at work he's, oh he's at work but you got the devil plus your own heart or you got your own heart plus the devil however you want to work out but your heart is an issue and things are going to flow out of your heart and you need to be aware of how that's happening so you won't be surprised 
by the action when it takes place. Most of what we say is the devil and we want to be free from is nothing more than the consequences of our actions. We want to come to the altar, have God break consequences when what we really need is to ask Him for mercy for what we've done. Hang on. That's not an attack. That's when you just need mercy. You need God to step in between you. I wrote down so many of these things. You need God to step in between you and the dumb thing you did and what you've got coming. It's an attack. No, it's consequences. Have I thoroughly offended you yet? Because this is it right here. We want God to come and deliver us from things and intervene and separate us from the consequences. And I said it, the dumb things that we did that has a consequence attached to it and it's coming. And that's not when we need to ask God, intervene, intervene, intervene. That's when we need to ask God for just mercy. Mercy. I, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. Probably knowingly. I love you enough to say it. Every now and again, David prayed this prayer. And David, who had messed up as bad as you could mess up, but he said, God, forgive me of my unknown sins. How bad do you have to be? How, 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 how good of a sinner? Sorry, I'm looking at the biggest guy in the church. <laughs> if I offend, I'm going to go over here. I think I, can, somebody, I think I can beat up. I think I can still take you, Amanda. David and Goliath. <laughs> How bad do you have to be at sinning to when it comes time to ask for sin to be forgiven that you're like, yeah, and all the things I forgot about God. It's like if you're carrying your wheelbarrow of sin to God and you had to look back and oh, so much of it, it fell out. I got That's a lot. But if we were honest with ourselves, we would realize it wasn't the devil. It was me. Out of my heart flow my issues that I caused because I exposed my heart to some things that got in here. Here's the thing. Your, your, your heart is neutral. The Bible calls your heart soil. Soil doesn't care. But soil by nature will produce anything that the seed gets dropped in. If you sow a bad seed into it, believe me, bad things are coming up. But if you sow wonderful seed into soil, guess what? Wonderful things are coming up. It's just when. But just because I sow a bad seed and I'm feeling terrible about it and I see it springing up and it's, it's messing up my whole life, 
I can't just run to God and say, God, get rid of that thing. God, please get rid of that thing. God, get rid of it. God's looking like, wait, whoa, 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 a second. I got something for this thing. I got an application for this. It's called mercy. It's called you messed up, and I can't just wipe your I can't just change your diaper every time. You need mercy is what you need. I tell you, y'all can't go everywhere for what I say. I should, I should have y'all sign a waiver over there. Two things. This guy might be playing the drums. You need to sign a waiver to hear it. I told David, uh, Dale this morning, everybody should be grateful to you and come thanking you that you came back. Where am I at? Your, your, your heart. I'm on a whole different page. I got stuck right there. Jesus called the heart soil. He called his word. Yeah. He called his word seed. You need to put his seed in your soil. Because the nature of... Of soil, like I told you, when you understand the nature of a thing, you won't be surprised by its action. Don't go sowing something weird into your life and then be like, I don't know where that comes from. De devil, you are a liar. Devil didn't do that. You did. You know who are responsible, who is responsible for your issues? You are. And I think I've come to the end of the line. Of offending everybody. Now I'm going to try to rub some, 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 some salve into it. But just, just, just be patient with the process for a minute, okay? Because, because here's the thing. Some people have some incredibly wonderful things going on in their lives. And that's because... They applied some incredibly wonderful seed in their life. And some people will get mad about that blessing that's going on in their lives, but they refuse to apply that to theirs, to their own life. Don't get mad at somebody that has blessing on their life if you refuse to apply the right seed to yours. Some people have some awful things coming up in their life. But, but, but most people aren't on the extremes of wonderful things and, and, and other people on the extreme of, of bad things. Let me tell you where most people are at. Most people have good things happening and bad things happening in their life. And you know what the answer to that is? Mixture mixture if you come here and get a good seed in your life from his word you can expect a good harvest out of that seed but if you leave right out of here and expose yourself to other seeds don't be wondering where that came from when it pops up in your life mixture mixture and, and it is simply deciding what my resource is going to be, who I'm going to listen to. You've got more options than, than you've ever had before in your life right there. you got access to more information. It used to be television. 
You know, you remember the time when we used to take pictures of vacation? Come home, go to Walmart. Two or three days later, you get your double exposures, and you if it was really good, you might have got glossy this time instead of matte. We got filters for all that now. So we are like, glossy, matte. There was a day. Ask your great-grandparents. They'll tell you about it. Sit around the campfire and talk about it. And the rich people would go to what? One hour. I did that one time. I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I got enough money to pay for this. I, I could have bought a house. Now, this is what's going on right now. And I can't tell. Nobody looks at your vacation pictures anymore because you've already posted it on every, every form of media that there is. I'm just saying that this, you got to be careful with this stuff. Careful with this stuff. Because this thing will drop seeds that you didn't ask for. Ask for. You didn't ask for it at all. Have you ever searched out anything and thought, how did they get that out of that? It makes me mad. It lets me know that there's an enemy at operation. He's looking. He knows I got a heart. And the nature of my heart will will, will, will will affect any seed that I put into it, and it'll grow. So I'll, I'll drop seed in there. What does the Bible say about that? When, when, when the owner of the field got this report that there was tares coming up in the wheat, the tares look just like the wheat except for they don't produce anything. And he said, did you, not, did you buy the good seed? He said, yes, I did buy the good seed. And they said, well, then, then why is there tears coming up? You, you got the same, you got the stuff that people that buy the cheap seed. He said, a stranger has done this. He said, while men slept, somebody came in at night and planted bad seed. I ain't even looking around, but is there anything that happens at night that could plant some bad seed in your life? Guys, when the family's at bed, go to bed. And I, I'm meddling so big right now, but let me just go ahead and say it and save you some trouble. When the family goes to sleep, go to sleep. Don't trust yourself to the enemy's temptation. I'm not even trying to offend. I'm not trying to get an amen because I don't think that there would be many behind that. But I'm telling you something that will help you. Because the internet, TV, talk radio, conversations, reading materials, what you're looking at, what you're watching, what you're saying, what's coming out of your mouth, all those things are seed. The Bible says your eyes are gates. It says your ears are gates. You better pay attention to that. you got an enemy trying to slide something in on you. Your heart will push out whatever seed you drop into it. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. The devil doesn't create your issues. You do.
I don't want to go too deep into this. I'll just say this. The woman that had the issue of blood, you remember that? The woman that had the issue of blood. All those years she bled, she bled, she bled. She didn't have a problem producing blood. She just had a problem containing it. When your heart gets broken, it leaks. A good sign of a broken heart is when someone can't hold on to a good thing. It's like pouring into a bucket with holes in it. You can't hold on to a word from Sunday to Sunday. Broken heart leaks that word out. Broken heart is never satisfied. First song that we sang this morning talks about satisfaction coming from Him. Okay? I told you I won't stay long on that point. Be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is fierce torment. We talked about that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, here, here I'm going to wrap this up very quickly. I say quickly. Um, but then, now I'm, I'm going to show you the way out of this thing. Okay? We'll go back to the Scripture. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Everything by. When you see the word by, you need to, you need to understand. By means through this mechanism. By means through this vehicle. By means putting this into operation. And what is the vehicle? Prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Prayer. Here's what he is saying. Whenever fear comes, the first thing you do is not talk to somebody. He's saying nothing is worth your prayer but I'm sorry, nothing is worth your worry, but everything is worth your prayer. Do you see that? That's what he's saying in the scripture. What I would like to know, how much time do you spend being anxious about something versus how much time you give to praying about it? Y'all thought I was through offending. I'm just telling you, it says plainly right here that there's a response that we have. Don't be anxious for anything. So when, when these things come, we move to prayer. We go to God. But you know what happens? When, when something comes up, speed dial. You ain't going to believe what just happened. Can I tell you? It's out of order. I'm just telling you the truth according to what it says right there. It's out of order. He's waiting. Because here's the thing. Bad things are going to happen. Jesus said this. In this world you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I've, come over, I've overcome the world. So who should I call on? The one who's overcome the world. Stop going to people that cannot help you. I'm not trying to pass my, my, my job, my calling off. I don't mind talking to anybody. I don't mind praying for anybody. But my question 
could be this. Well, do you want me to pray for you about something? Have you prayed about it? Is that fair enough? I, I think it's fair, Darren. I agree. Amen. We should be praying about it. I should be praying about it. Why? Because he says, pray. And he's the one that can fix it. So the first thing that you do is not talk to somebody. How much energy do we use worrying about it versus the ve- using the vehicle God said to use to get rid of it? We spend time, and all those things draw on us, and they weaken us, and weaken us, and weaken us, when it should not be that way. He didn't say pray for a minute at the end of praise and worship. He said pray, and then he moved to the next word, pray with supplication. Now, that's not a common word, but supplication simply means this, extended prayer. Extended prayer. More than just dropping God a line or another memo or something I've already prayed or, or just that, God, that thing that I always ask you about. Extended time. I understand there are times whenever something's going to happen and, and it's an emergency situation and, and you don't have time for extended prayer and you can call on God and He's right there. But there are other times that you've got to have those Garden of Gethsemane moments where you spend some extended time in prayer. And look what happened to those guys. They fell asleep. Right? I'm just saying what the Word says. When you see things coming against you, perplexities that you see no solution to, you immediately come to God. Quit asking everyone else to pray for you and pray for yourself. It's your responsibility to learn to petition God with the thing that wants to rob you of your peace, rob you of your joy, and rob you of your strength. It's your responsibility. My fear is that we talk about prayer, sing about prayer, but we don't pray. We do everything but pray. Can I give you a people warning? It's a people warning. When people says, you, you, you're pouring out your heart to them, and, and they say, well, I'll pray for you about it. Can I tell you that in certain instances, that's a way to end the conversation? And you say, well, 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 well don't, I, I don't know that I should pray for myself. I, that, that might be prideful. You better pray for yourself. The Bible says learn to pray and pray extended prayers. Extended prayers because, because here's the thing. You might think somebody else is praying for you, but you better be praying for you as an insurance and God, the Bible says this about prayer. We have this confidence when we pray. He hears us. God said this to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He's, he's known, described as the weeping prophet, which, which it makes me think uh, you can have an, a, calling, a calling and an anointing on your life. And because of that calling in your life, you spend a lot of time weeping. But God, God told Jeremiah this because he was talking to Jeremiah about things that were to come. And Jeremiah was at a perplexing place in his life. And he didn't know how it was going to work. And God said this to him. He said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou 
knowest not. God's simply saying this, I've got a solution. God's saying, I've got a solution. I've got a way out. I know what it is to have to, to, to rein my thoughts in. It happens all the time. I have to rein my thoughts in. I have to get them in because I'll go crazy with them in my mind. If you come to God and pray and you follow with supplication, extended prayers, and thanksgiving, supplication, extended prayers, thanksgiving, one of the vehicles that God says to use, thanksgiving in the earthly realm is a response to an action completed. I talked about this at the very beginning. But in the heavenly realm, you give thanks for what you have not yet seen, but you know God is already moving in it. The only reason you're praying is because you have a need, but you're praying with thanksgiving, knowing that He has already met the need before you even brought it to Him in prayer. So then, whenever you have prayed and offered extended prayers and you have thanked Him, this is what He says. Yes, there's a problem. And because of the problem, I pray. And I bring it back to God. And I thank God. Here's the response from God back. Because you've got to get it right. You've got to present it right to Him. He says, I will guard your heart and mind. The result is this. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. You know what a guard is? A guard is one that just takes a defensive posture. And he's saying, I will take and guard by my power. If you get this thing right, you pray and you learn as you're praying to thank me when you pray. I will come to you and I will set a guard around your heart and your mind. And if you, doesn't, if you don't allow that to happen, the enemy is going to have free reign, free reign, free reign. He's going to fire away and fire away and fire away. And if you don't realize that in your weakness, his strength is made perfect, then you're just going to be staying right there in your weakness. When his word says that I will put a guard around your heart and your mind. In other words, I will take a defensive position in your mind. That's what the guard does. He takes a defensive position against the enemy. And his attack in your mind and in your heart. I told you that's where he's coming to. He's going to come to your heart and your mind because that's where anxiety happens. That's where it gets incubated at, right there. In other words, what he's saying is that I will come. And the next time this thing happens, it won't be able to get through like it's done before. Because you've learned to obey what his word says.
Amen. Amen. It's that simple. Pray. Extended prayer. Thanksgiving. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word teaches us. And thank you that your word is true. Most of all, thank you that your word is true. And because it's true, help us to apply it to our life. And not question it, but believe it. This world looks like exactly what you said it would look like when you said there will be signs. You didn't tell us exactly what would happen, but you told us what it would look like, and that's exactly what we see. Perplexities. Perplexities. Fear running rampant on this earth. Thank you, God, that your word is there with a way out, and not just a way out, a solution. And not just a solution, the solution. Through praying, through extended prayers, and through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving not on the earthly realm, but in the heavenly realm. Thanksgiving ahead. Thanksgiving before. Thanksgiving immediately. When we learn as trouble comes... To go directly to you and immediately to you. We'll do it joyfully because of the track record that you have established. You're a good God to us. And you've set it up in such a way. That when we call on you. You show us great and mighty things. Thank you God for the prayer and the instruction that you've given us. But. According to this, we can weaponize our prayer. We can, we can weaponize our thanksgiving. And we can set your guard. We can be living in the expectation of you setting your guard around our peace and protecting us where fear will not overtake us, where anxieties will not overcome us and overwhelm us every time God we call on you with gratefulness and gratitude you'll reset our minds you will renew our minds as a matter of fact we will have to renew our minds to carry out the task of praying to you immediately God there's nothing wrong with people in our lives that that'll help us there's nothing wrong with with resources and good advice but we need to call to you first, God. It's okay to have prayer partners. It's okay to have people around us that we trust. Prayer lines are wonderful. Our church has a prayer chain. We'll, we'll buy, these, these prayers aren't weak. We have a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. We see powerful things happen because of that. And it's making the enemy mad. And it's driving him to be furious with us. Because we're getting a grip. And, and, and closing in on what moves the heart of God. And it is yes, prayer. Yes. And the enemy wants to shut it down. And he does not want us to learn how powerful prayer is. Especially when we team it with thanksgiving. Yes. The enemy cannot come against your strength. But he will attack us in our weakness. And our weakness comes when we choose 
fear over immediately going to you, God. Thank you that your word is true. We love you, God. We give you praise. Thank you for showing us the way, showing us your solution and the answer to anxiety. In Jesus' name, amen.